Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, how are you doing today? Very well. I had KFC today for lunch mm. and like it took such a long time to like make the KFC. I was like sitting out in the car and I was like, this is a mistake. Like I was like trying to talk myself out of it. And then I get the food and it's like I'm like bitching about the food sitting in like the passenger seat. And then oh the God. smell hits me and I'm like, okay, actually this like smells really good. So maybe I did a good thing here. And it was like that the is best a roller coaster. Time. Yes, yeah. It was like all over the place. So Oh my yeah. goodness. <laughs> uh so we do have a guest today i want to introduce him uh only because i want his thoughts on kfc because (laughs) i haven't had kfc in a while we actually have jake christie from the marvel cinematic university podcast how you doing today hello hello. i'm doing very well i was so excited to know that my gushing over this movie in the at the end of one of our marvel pods uh earned me a spot on this podcast and as for my (laughs) thoughts on kfc so unfortunately, early, uh, late last year, no, sorry, mid last year, I was diagnosed with celiac disease, so I can't oh, eat gluten anymore. No. So I can never eat KFC again. But I will say, I was always anti KFC pro Popeyes. And if anything, if you're in Florida, I'll be honest with you, I think that Zaxby's is the pinnacle of the art form. Uh-huh. Um, and so I think that like if you honestly put a gun to my head and made me get fried chicken before I when I was still able to, I would go to Pop well Zaxby's, Popeyes. The Publix Deli yeah. and then KFC. Yeah, like yeah. honestly, I just, I'm just not a big KFC person. I'm sorry. I just no, no, I there. I'm right there with you. Neither am I. I was gonna get something else, and then I was like, that line's too long. Let me just go to KFC where nobody's <laughs> no, I in am, the line. I am a fast food fried chicken person. Like I just want to make that clear. Like <laughs> it's not that I'm above eating fast food fried chicken. It's <laughs> oh just no, I'm gonna have it. I'm not gonna have KFC. Right, KFC is at the bottom of the totem pole, yeah. pretty much. And also enjoy it. I'm not. I'm a. You know, I'm not a. I'm still red blooded American somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, today we have Jake with us because we do have a movie that I think we're all eager and excited to talk about in one way or another. Before we talk about it, though, uh, <laughs> if this is your first time listening, uh, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you do like us, go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Five stars goes a long way for us. Come and say hi on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at AlwaysCriticPod. And if you're a fan, please consider becoming a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and show your support. You can check out the page on Patreon.com slash AlwaysCriticPod. Okay, let's go. Let's do this. I'm thinking that MCU MCU University should have a TikTok. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) The MC University TikTok. You should start it. Why not? Uh, Now, we are talking about a movie Jake already referenced because he got really excited at the end of one of the episodes on his podcast about a movie. And that movie is Deep Water. It's a brand new film uh, and it stars Ben Affleck. It stars Anna de Armas, uh, Tracy Letts, Lil Rel Howery. Uh, Mm -hmm. What a weird cast. It is directed by Adrian Lyne. Uh, mm-hmm. If you don't know Adrian Lyne, you'll probably know his movies like Fatal Attraction, Unfaithful, Indecent Proposal, There <laughs> is a Theme. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, this movie was also written by Zach Helm and Sam Levinson. Sam Levinson is the showrunner of Euphoria. Uh, the movie is based mm-hmm. on a novel by Patricia Highsmith. Uh, the movie was released on Hulu, so we don't have any box office. But Jessica, how were critics and audiences receptive to this movie? Well, I'm so glad you asked because it's actually making 
some waves over here on Rotten Tomatoes at a 37% critic <laughs> score and a 25% audience score. Mm-hmm. The critic's consensus reads, viewers desperately seeking a new erotic thriller might find Deepwater worth a dip, but it's far from director Adrian Lyon's best work. The, pun, uh, the pun. The puns that are, are coming up. So I'm going to throw it to Jake first. I, I want to get your thoughts on where we stand currently with erotic thrillers or just your general thoughts on erotic thrillers. For sure. So I, it was a genre I really knew nothing about until like probably two years ago when I watched Fatal Attraction for the first time. Um, because to quote, uh, I remember on the Fatal Attraction Rewatchables podcast for The Ringer, Wesley Morris said a thing that I think I hear in my voice all the time. I mean, in my head all the time. He said when Bill Simmons was asking a question about what they would do if they made that movie today. And he's like, Bill, no one in movies is fucking anymore. Like, that's really <laughs> the problem. And... But and, and not to be glib though, like but that I think it's very significant. And I remember I always talked to my mom about this. How you, what? The, no, no, no. You get look at here. Also, I have you know I my mom knows that I'm weird. That we old people talk today about how culture is so fucked up now. But back in the day, like in the '80s, movies people were having sex in movies way more often. Mm-hmm. Like it's just actually very rare from people to actually have sex in movies. Um, and so I think the erotic thriller kind of died. Ironically, with Unfaithful, I think it's probably like the last gasp of it before Adrian Lyne tried to bring it back. Um, I think that they are a movie that is... The thing that makes them interesting is that they are thrillers where the... What it's about is always kind of the same with like love or... That that the transgression is always the same. It's always sex. Um, So I think that there's always a place for them, and I hope they do come back in some regard, mostly because I think that this movie shows they are one of the best ways to see the eccentricities of a filmmaker in a movie. You know what I mean? Like, Mm. if you make an erotic thriller, you are set... You can't make an erotic thriller without telling the audience way too much about yourself. Yes! And, uh... (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I mean, Adrian Lyne himself, like, just think about the premise of something like Indecent Proposal, where it's like, Mm -hmm. hey... I'm going to offer you a million dollars so I can sleep with your wife. Like, mm-hmm. like who comes up with that? Who decides, yeah, I'm going to make a movie that with Robert Redford and yeah. Demi Moore and Woody, Woody Harrelson. And yeah, it's going to be like an amazing movie or it's going to be something that people talk about. Uh, but just having that thought process and Adrian just has so many. Di- I didn't even mention all of them. Like there's a few more. In I watched repertoire. all so I, I, the only ones I'd seen before, you know, this I first saw that like before I started preparing to watch this one were Fatal Attraction and Unfaithful, mm-hmm. and I watched all of his other movies except for his small first one because I didn't couldn't really find it, and his version of Lolita because I'm not trying to lo- end up on a watch list. Um, so, <laughs> so, but, and so I think that he just so clearly I think is enamored with the not just sex specifically, but the moral gray area that people are willing to explore in search of or in like in spite of sex like indigenous proposals about like what does sex mean and how will people be willing to give that part of themselves up for money Mm. and like fatal attraction is you know what what is the moral punishment for adultery like these he's really interested in the second order effects and i think that that's what makes when he's good because i think fatal attraction is in your masterpiece when he's good he his insights are really spot on and when he's not I think it's because he doesn't actually understand what his character's motivations are and how they feel about it. He kind of just wants to have, you know, cool sex scenes and uh, some high tension. 
Right, and you d- <laughs> and you. Well, it's funny you say that because. I know. <laughs> okay, keep going. <laughs> I, no, what I was just gonna say was, um, like you were mentioning, Jake, that in the '80s and early '90s, like sex was such a huge thing in movies, and uh, out of all people, Rob Lowe, I was listening to him uh, speak about this that. When he was, you know, coming up in the 80s, like every single pitch that he would get, he would read a script Mm -hmm. and he would be like, "Okay, so this is where this happens. This is where this happens. Okay, page 32. This is where the sex scene happens. And like (laughs) he was so accustomed to that because that was just like the nature of the beast at that time. Do you think the reason why we don't get as many is because Hollywood and studios are just trying to cater to like the four quadrants too much or just trying to make something that's not so too out I've there? I've thought about this a lot because I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, that this saga that happened where uh, before Returnals came out, I got a D- we got a DM from a journalist at uh, the Washington Post, sorry, the Wall Street Journal, who wanted to talk about indie filmmakers joining the MCU. And so I talked to her on the phone for a half hour, had a good conversation. And then after she saw Eternals, she emailed me follow-up questions. And I noticed they all were about the lack of sex scenes in Marvel. And so I answered those questions via email, thinking that that would just be a small thing. But it turns out the entire article she wrote was about why there are no sex scenes in Marvel. And mm. so I had the pleasure of texting my family group chat, like, hey, your son was quoted in the Wall Street Journal. Bad news, it's about why I want there to be sex scenes in Marvel. <laughs> and... And so, but but, uh, but the thing that I, because I thought about it a lot, especially after that, is I really think it's less the four quadrant thing, because even R-rated movies don't have it. I really think that it is just the internationalization of Hollywood, where there's just a lot of audiences just aren't going to go for uh, nudity as much. And I think that, like, you just can't sell it. In a, a lot of places, you just won't show a movie um, mm. if there's explicit sex scenes. And, I, you know, I don't want to make judgments against any country that would do that, but I think it is kind of... If every movie that's made has to make $100 million or it's not worth making, then, like, it's too much of a risk to put a sex scene in um, because, you know, you just can't – you can't sell a movie with an explicit sex scene to China, you know, is the kind of the end – being again, I feel like. No, I definitely see that for sure when it comes to erotic thrillers or just sex scenes in general. It's, it's, it's becoming more rare as time goes on. So – now that we're here, though, with this movie, which, by the way, had, like, an infamous, like, delay process and everything. Jake, mm-hmm. what did you think, general thoughts, of Deep Water? My feeling on it, and this is a feeling I feel about a lot of movies, is I don't think it's a good movie, but I also don't think that that's the relevant question to ask about it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that whether or not it's good is the least interesting conversation you can have. Right. I think I enjoyed it in that I enjoy the weird i i enjoy when weirdness is put on screen in a way and you get to see movie stars kind of try to wade through stuff that's not perfect um and it, <laughs> it i think it's just like a very rich text it's not a movie i'll probably watch again but it is a movie that i definitely could see myself in six months being drunk at a party talking to someone about and honestly <laughs> that's more va- that's more valuable to me than a movie that's like good but i don't ever think about it again you know what i mean Oh, yeah. I I totally understand. Uh, Because we've had this conversation about another movie, me and Jessica for sure, and that is Serenity with uh, Mm -hmm. Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway. I've never Mm -hmm. seen that movie twice. I've only seen it one time. But every once in a while, we we bring up to each other, remember how (laughs) bad that movie was and like how weird that movie got? Yeah. And yeah, I think conversations like that are always super interesting to me. Jessica, what did you think of Deepwater? Well, 
I didn't go into it with any expectations and I had no idea what the movie was about. So it was a bit of like, okay, I'll press play on this. And I'll say that it was very entertaining. Absolutely (laughs) super entertaining and funny. And I don't think it was intentional comedy. And I will say that it's also probably one of the worst movies I've seen. <laughs> but, but I was so entertained watching it. It's on the level of like serenity. There's so many more questions than answers. And the, yeah, it is like subpar material, but they're doing the best with what they have. Like Anna the Automas <laughs> and Ben Affleck are like trying so hard. And you admire them for that. I mean, yeah, you got to admire them. Like, the the thing that Affleck is doing in this movie, it like the the menacing stares that he's trying to give, <laughs> while at the same time trying to give off this energy of enjoying what he's like doing and seeing, uh, is at times it's effective, at times it's hilarious, um, and the way Adrian just like keeps the camera in certain places, it looks really visually it looks really good like there are times where you can feel the distance of the characters like represented on screen where like they're inside of frames a distance by you know a wall and like little things like that like it's cool to see a director see actually do stuff like that but the material itself just doesn't feel like it goes anywhere interesting that's the problem (laughs) I, I think you're right about all the stuff that they're doing with Ben Affleck just showing his face. I think the reason this movie has so many issues is because I don't know if it's from the original novel. I mean, I actually kind of suspect it isn't because Patricia Smith also wrote the novels for The Talented Mr. Ripley and Carol, which are both, like, masterpieces. Yeah. So, like, I don't think that she's... I think that Adrian Lyne has n- honestly no clue what Ben Affleck's character is thinking, like, what is going on. Like, he... There's no consistent logic. You see all those looks, and I think the reason why it's funny is because at no point do you actually really know what's going on in his head. Yes. But at the same time, it's... N- and that can be fine if the point of the movie is that you don't know what's going on in his head, but it's not actually. Like, the point the movie is not about wondering what's going on in his head. It's just, like, he he makes a lot of decisions that don't make sense, which, once again, can be interesting if the movie is about exploring those, but the movie <laughs> doesn't really care to think about why he does all the things he does. It's kind of just like, of course he's going to do that. <laughs> yeah, I sold it to myself in my head as, oh, this is like a reverse Gone Girl, except it's like Ben mm-hmm. being yeah. the, you know, the mm-hmm. essential villain, like, quote unquote. And mm-hmm. um, I can't even give it that much credit. Like, it the, was. The te- I honestly did basically the same thing where it's like maybe he's like a sociopath and this right. is all part of it. But it's like, no, because the text doesn't support that at all. No, like, no. that. <laughs> the text doesn't give you that. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And. That that's the weird thing about this movie is that you can kind of see what's going to happen as time goes on. Like the mystery that unfolds kind of dissipates because mm-hmm. there's supposed to be a mystery that that evolves, but it just does not evolve to a, a natural point that leads to an exciting ending. That's mm-hmm. the biggest thing is that. You're waiting for the shoe to drop, and I won't say what it is yet, but you're waiting sure. for the shoe to drop to find out, like, the actual mystery. But mm-hmm. then when it gets revealed, they don't take it somewhere that you can think, oh, wow, that was a great way to wrap up the story. No, no. Mm-hmm. They just, like, kind of – it just flatlines after mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. 
Now, and I feel like if you have a sorry, I feel like you have a mystery like that, you need to give another interesting alternative that what it could be. The entire the question was just, is he doing this? And if the answer is no, then it's not interesting at all. And so it's like the the answer has to be yes because they're not providing another explanation for what's going on. And so <laughs> it's like, oh, there's no. It's just like okay, so either this. Either he is doing all these things, or this is going to be the most boring intro movie ever. <laughs> you know, like it's just. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. Uh, so before we get into spoilers or anything, uh, does anybody have anything else they want to say about the movie? Uh, we can move into our letter grades. Uh, we we actually changed our system. We graded A B C D F. Uh, okay. So, uh, Jessica, do you want to give a grade? C minus. C minus. Yeah, because it was very entertaining. I mean, <laughs> you were we were we were howling during the movie because like <laughs> things were happening. We're like, what? So C minus for for that. I I settled on a C for myself. Okay. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it's it's you know it's it's a passing paper. Like they did enough, but they didn't really like nail down what they wanted to do. No, no, I, don't get me wrong. It sucked. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but, how, about, how about you, Jake? <laughs> yeah. I would say a C because I can't give a C is probably the floor of any movie I enjoy watching. The floor is a C, like yeah. I, even if it's not super intentional. But I also think just having lived in the Adrian Lines world, I actually think that more of the stuff that is kind of funny is intentional than you would think. I think he actually is kind of aware. I don't think he expects anything to be laugh out loud, but I think he has a satirical edge to him mm. that he has no. He's not able to control it, really. So that's why sometimes it's like, what the hell is, you know, is going on? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think I don't think that the material is super serious to him. I don't think he's te- I don't think he is treating it as serious as a heart attack is, I think, why I'm willing to give it more benefit of doubt. Right. I think he's having fun. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we were just hoping that it would be maybe a little bit smarter with the fun. Yes. Or, yeah. Uh, it was still entertaining, but maybe just a little bit more. So mm-hmm. – uh, Let's go ahead and let's talk about spoilers for Deep Water right after this. The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I am your father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? All right, let's go ahead and let's talk spoilers for Deep Water. All right, um... It sounds like Jessica. It looks like you have something to say right away, Jessica. I don't. I don't. No. Okay. I'm just. I'm like. It's just buzzing because I don't know like where this is gonna go. So right off the bat, I I found it surprising that it just felt like at the beginning. I guess I I, I guess that it was an open marriage. I you know mm-hmm. like yeah. you, you kind of get the sense of oh he's not really like that bothered, but at the same time mm-hmm. he is. And then I started thinking, wait a minute, is this like a cuckolding situation or something <laughs> i'm so glad you said it before me um the thing is on another podcast i did uh the running bit of it was a podcast with the show monk don't ask uh and oh, the running no, bit I'm was familiar. because so many people who were murdering were murdering people who were cheating on them the bit was to try to get the word cuck into as many episodes as we could and so i'm glad that you beat me to it but yeah this movie is about is that's what the movie's about yeah it really um, is i mean so is unfaithful so like he clearly is and so is indecent proposal so he's clearly interested in this topic yes yes he is. <laughs> yes he is and uh but i will say that some of the people that they get 
for Ana de Armas to like play off of um, are just like so dull. Like maybe they are, you know, good looking, but like they have nothing there. So you're always more interested in the Ben Affleck character. Maybe that's on purpose. Maybe it's on purpose that we have these guys generic like, hey, generic good looking guy here and Ana de Armas is flirting with them and kissing them and all that. But they're none of them are interesting to me at all. No, I feel like the movie would work better if, among other things, if you cast a, t- a Tracy Letts type in the Ben Affleck role, where you could imagine mm. that you know uh, Anna Armas when she was young, new to the country, you know, had a kid with this guy, and she he's controlling and he he gets jealous. But it's like not only are is be- none of these guys interesting. They're not notably better looking than Ben Affleck. You know no. what I mean? Like Ben Affleck is still really <laughs> hot in this movie. So right. it's, it, no, but I'm serious. Like I think that that really ma- Like a part of the reason why Unfaithful works better than this movie does is because even though Richard Gere is really good looking in that movie, you see Olivia Martinez and you're like, of course, you who could say no to that? Whereas this, it's like, especially the the guy at the beginning they have the blonde hair. It's like. I think Ben Affleck's a better looking guy than this guy. I don't know what you're doing, why you're with this guy. Yeah, he was yeah. like the worst one. Like, uh, you know, as far as looks go. Right, as far it. as looks go, it was yeah. just like generic young dude. That's pretty much is what he was giving off. Well, I think that in the same... Okay, so this is my take. And this is... I don't know why I'm like doing such a weird deep take on a movie that seemed mm-hmm. really shallow. But anyway, the... Ben Affleck is clearly like a genius, very intelligent, and he it's up in the air whether he does or does not hold that against Ana de Admas's character and how mm. he kind of feels superior to her in that respect because she came to this country, she doesn't seem to have a job, she doesn't seem to have a career, and she's is kind of offended every time he is saying something that's pretty smart. Mm-hmm. So she chooses fools to fool around with Mm -hmm. all the time and it kind of makes her feel better about herself in that Mm -hmm. respect it It feels like the power dynamics was like a big thing i think that that's an interesting reading of the movie if the other two guys were exactly like the first one but Jacob Elordi is like a piano savant, and Finn Rittrock plays like a guy who builds sustainable housing in Brazil. So it's not yeah. like those are they're, they're hot, not they're necessarily not dumb. fools. Yes, right. exactly. But she does seem to have a lot of manipulative control over them, for sure. And that also she, plays into like yes. her feeling more powerful than them, and like mm-hmm. feeling yes. like they are. She's getting her kicks off of them. Mm-hmm. And I think she still is getting her kicks off of the fact that she knows she could get a rise out of her husband. That is her big, like, that's her Mm -hmm. big thing. Like, she flaunts it in front of him because she wants to see his reaction. She wants to get that attention from him. Yes. Even though, like, he's not giving exactly the type of attention that he that she is looking for like she he's wants too someone jealous calm, right too nonchalant mm-hmm. and very and he's not getting not giving a lot of emotions when she's doing something clearly mm-hmm. that's wrong like morally wrong and is also making a fool out of him in public because that's also like plays into it like yeah. the friends are like she's doing this now like in front of us like mm-hmm. y- you got to make yeah. her stop <laughs> Mm-hmm. That I so, found interesting is that the yeah. friends were kind of like backed into a corner of like, uh, I don't know if we should be like allowing this to happen anymore. Yeah. yeah. And that plays into her wanting to see him break. 
wanting to see him get more mm-hmm. aggressive. And that's when she seems to like get excited <laughs> in more right. ways than one. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I, I think the thing that doesn't work for me in that whole aspect of it is that there's we jump right from Ben Affleck acting like he's kind of bothered by it but isn't going to say anything to then murdering them. Where it's just like I it, I don't know what how he feels about – I mean I know how he feels but he obviously doesn't like it because he ends up murdering them. But the fact that there's no scene where he says, like, stop doing this, you're embarrassing me, that his own, that he immediately jumps to murder is why, like, I think why we both had the reading of, well, he must just be a sociopath. Because there's, you would expect a bit where he's like, you know, I let you fool around a little bit just to make this marriage work, but now you're doing it in front of me. You know what I mean? Like, you expect that conversation. Mm -hmm. But the fact that he kind of is either stoic or says he's okay with it up until the moment he literally murders people, I just don't. I don't believe – the thing that's hard to track is like what is he feeling internally that he somehow feels like his only options are to just stay quiet or murder them. And I they, they don't create a character that makes me believe that he is that crazy that he would do that. Yes. And you kind of feel like – I was intrigued at the beginning when he's talking to the blonde kid and he's refer, he brings up that other friend – quote unquote, mm-hmm. of Ana de Armas who went missing and he said he admits that he killed him. And I was like, oh, perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, here's like the plot thickens. He's a murderer mm-hmm. and he's like flaunting it in front of this dude try- in a very threatening manner. And this is how he gets these guys to just like take a hike is by right. threatening physical harm. Threatening, <laughs> right. And I thought it was going to continue that thread because they do continue it when he mm-hmm. is confronted by the Tracy Letts character, mm-hmm. um, you know, down in his little basement area <laughs> with mm-hmm. the snails, which we'll talk about in a second. <laughs> yep. uh, but That's the only thing I said I wanted to talk about, by the way, guys. Well, yes. just, the only yeah. thing. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it. But when he's down there with uh, Tracy Letts' character and they're having like a little back and forth and then you see him with like the drill in his hand and he's like mm-hmm. walking up and then he just like comes up and like just fixes a little a screw. You know, there's like those menacing moments that are like, okay, he's intentionally trying to scare off people. He knows what he's doing. He knows what Mm -hmm. he's doing. Yeah, he's in command. But then, and that's the the thing is that you feel like he is in command in the same way that um, what's her face is in Gone Girl, where you're like, okay, she has it all planned out. He understands what he's doing, the effect he has on people, Mm -hmm. and the power that he has when he's threatening them, Mm -hmm. and then he follows through because he's a killer. The messiest killer I have ever seen. Yeah. He is <laughs> terrible at killing these boyfriends. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, he's going to be like a polished dude. He has a routine. Mm-hmm. He has like he's going to be methodical, methodical. And he's not. He's terrible. That's, that's the thing, because the kill, the two kills we see that he like of the boyfriends are both clearly of passion when that is not what we're reading on him the rest of the time. Yes. The thing that I think the thing that would have made this movie go up a full to a C from, from C to a C plus is if the (laughs) twist at the end was that he is killing all these boyfriends, but like for some reason, like honor Armas is like into that and gets like a psychosexual thrill about it. Like that would have made it like that. I, that was what I thought the twist was going to be at the end when he comes home again, you see that scene. I'm like, Oh, is she going to be like, yet is she going to be like finally you showed the passion i was with like something crazy like that which once again that's crazy but we're talking about adrian like this is i mean yeah this but 
I will say though, the way they end the movie, where she where she actually says, because the last boyfriend's yeah. name was Tom. Tony. Yeah. Tony. 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 Yeah. And she actually says to him after his bike yeah. ride home, I saw Tony. And mm-hmm. then she immediately gets up and walks away. So <laughs> implying that I found what you were hiding and I'm not gonna say anything. Mm-hmm. So she knows. Yeah. Pontius Pilate. <laughs> Washing my hands. <laughs> Washing my hands. <laughs> and so I don't know if they ever truly get to the point of like, is she accepting of it? Does she like this? I don't know. Because earlier in the movie, she does accuse him of murder and she is like yeah. super sad about it. But yeah. she doesn't actually leave because mm-hmm. she has she thinks. Well, he that, challenges her on that, too. He yeah, says, if he you does. think I killed this guy, like, why aren't you leaving? That's you a think question. I'm a murderer. Yeah. Why haven't you left? And she says, like well, that. I'm what you killed for. So there's no way you're going to kill me. Mm, like she thought true. it through. Which, she thought it through. <laughs> That's the thing is that for one, that that isn't unsound logic, but I wouldn't bet my life on it. Like I get where I can walk through her thought process. Right. but Or my daughter's life on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, I want to talk about the intricacies of this movie because there's a few of them, but... I think I want to start with the snails because okay. like we come back to them yep. multiple times. Jake, uh-huh. what were you what were you thinking about that entire thing? So so I love when a character just has a random thing that they just it just it's it that just is not explained, it's not important. It doesn't come up. I mean it comes up, but it's not important. And like I also think that from what we know about this character, he's retired really young because he designed a microchip that went to drones. Every guy like that is going to have some type of, quote, snails in their life, whether it's, you know, woodworking or, you know, like a car they're redoing. Like, and so I think that it is very interesting that it is snails for him. Um, and so I, I, I think it was a way to try to, like, add color to this guy. But I wish that his passion thing that he was going back to, like his car or his woodworking, had a thematic relation to the rest of the plot. And maybe there is some fun fact about snails and how they mate or something like that that is that someone could, you know, tweet at me and say that that's what it actually means. But, like, I wish that somehow it came back to, like, oh, you know, uh, it's actually, you, you don't know about this. It's snails. When they uh, when they breed, they kill all the other lovers of, you know, like something, you know, something like that. <laughs> yeah. um, but we didn't get that. We just got some weird snail stuff. Um, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And we got an entire weird scene where, like, they're, you know, they're cooking in the kitchen with Tony. And, hey, let's go get some of the snails. And how, how like, dead straight Ben Affleck is like, they're not for they're eating. They're not for eating. And <laughs> but also, like, I will say, if I knew someone who had a bunch of snails and, like, Tupperwares downstairs, I wouldn't think that they were for eating either. That's, Same! Like, that'll be, yeah. that'll be like, if they're like, an ant farm. And, like, yeah, like, they clearly aren't for eating. Because if they're for eating, Rude as shit. you'd be eating them. <laughs> Exactly. He wouldn't be growing them down in his basement with all this like protective stuff around it, watering yeah. and everything. He wouldn't be doing that if it right. was just like, yeah, we're going to go ahead and just like make some. Yeah. Uh, it's escargot. like, oh, you have you have specialty chickens that you've had for years and years. Let's yeah. go cook some of them right now. I yeah. mean, like we got the ingredients. No, babe, you don't offer somebody <laughs> else's like pet as food yeah i wonder if he he found that more insulting for the kill than him being with his wife (laughs) because he got really defensive but here's the the thing because they it's check off snails because then Mm. he says you gotta starve him first otherwise you'll poison yourself 
Mm-hmm. And eat, if you eat these snails just as is, like with all of their, um, like, I don't mm-hmm. know, stomach fluid or whatever in there. Yeah. I, and I, I was I, like, okay, so I'm waiting for him to kill somebody with the snails. Yeah. Never yeah. happens. That's and no, point. They, a wasted opportunity because mm-hmm. poison right there. It was in, poison. It was in the phrase. Yeah. He said mm-hmm. it. But no, they, they decided not to. Uh, other eccentricities here. No, Man. wait, wait, because at the end. Oh, go ahead. He has a box of empty snail shells. Mm-hmm. So what was that for? Like, was did he kill a bunch of snails? Like, I couldn't quite wrap my head around why there was like a. a I mean, a, I think snails probably die quickly enough where you get some shells. Oh, true, true. Uh, but yeah, it was I don't just think, you know. bizarre. It was bizarre. Yeah. The entire mm-hmm. thing was bizarre. Um, I, it, it was so funny how pretty much rich it felt like everyone was that they would have like these parties all the time yeah uh, mm-hmm. just going late into the night we always got a babysitter because they were always out <laughs> honestly um, that's that feels like a lot of parts of the country though like i i that i believe completely i believe that the guy who invented the drone microchip has the money to have a babysitter every night and go to parties like i yeah <laughs> you're right about that but it seems like everyone is well off like they have like you know, parties with bands all the time. And like, these houses were giving Nancy Myers like a run for her money (laughs) because they were just so gorgeous and in historical houses that are like fully renovated and like gorgeous. Like you see this kind of thing in a magazine. So I was obsessed with like the home, the homes and the home. And I, I really liked that it was set in Louisiana and I, I, I'm a big proponent of, uh, anytime a movie is not set in New York, LA, or Chicago, I legit, I honestly give it points. Like, I think that that is just because uh, a vast majority of people don't, even if it takes place in another city, like you guys are in Orlando. Like, if a movie just decides to take place in Orlando, that gives me an extra, you know, boost. <laughs> um, and so I think that while it, I don't even know if it was ever referenced that where it took place, I think it just added a, a, a light, a color, and like a, because um, I think the important thing too is that this is, it's it's very rich people, but it's rich people in a small town, which mm-hmm. I think is a very specific vibe because that is where, even though they're having a ton of parties, it's only the same like 10 people out of these parties. True. It's not like they're having right. galas. No. Um, and so it seems like it's a bunch of rich people who bought old plantation homes in Louisiana who don't have jobs anymore, who just want to sit around and drink and more power to them, honestly. I mean, good um, for them. Yeah. Good for them. That's the uh, kind of life I want. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! My parents live in like a golf community. Uh, for m- most, my parents are one of the few people who aren't retired there. And the people there, it's like you think like, oh, old people that are like stuffing. No, they start drinking at noon and they pass out at six. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> That's pretty wild. Uh, so this movie, let me see. Uh, there's other places we could go. Obviously, the daughter. There's... Do you want to talk about the daughter because she was another freak? Um, <laughs> she. Well, first of all, they intro the daughter and she's playing. Um, What's that song? The farm song? Oh, McDonald. Oh, McDonald. Oh, McDonald on repeat, and it's driving Ana de Armas crazy. And so you kind of get the feeling that she's doing it just to, to mess with her. Just to yeah, mess because with Yeah, because she does ask to play it again. I mean, having yeah. met six-year-olds, though, that actually feels really realistic. But, oh, then, yeah. <laughs> they, but then at the party that they go to that night, yeah. everyone's like, why did you let her choose like where she went to school? She's six years old. You make decisions for her. And they were like, well, she's a genius. Like, what's the harm? So she chose to go to public school, <laughs> and then you know what? Actually, I think that that actually is related to another thing. And I apologize for interrupting you. That it feels like Sam Levinson. I'm guessing him 
and random points tried to put in like social commentary and that I think is social commentary on how disgusted these rich people are at the idea of zoning to public school I think that that was the point of that scene honestly. yeah but yeah. also the end of the movie comes into play well first of all the girl knows that her dad killed these people mm-hmm. she's like oh, I yeah. still think you did it like she has this whole like smart conversation with Ben Affleck mm-hmm. and she's like going toe to toe with Ben Affleck like in the bathroom <laughs> like and it was quite intriguing to see her be okay with him and so you kind of get the feeling that not only is she genius level like he is but that she's also crazy like he is because Mm. she's fine with it like she's like yeah tell me how you did it (laughs) (laughs) and then at the end okay go ahead no i was gonna say it that is such a weird dynamic to have in in a movie where a a daughter who's so young to Mm. be almost accepting of the knowledge that she has that her dad could possibly be a killer mm-hmm. and basically be fine. I think the thing that makes that I'm, I would also be interested in hearing like, not that anyone, not that they should waste their time doing this, but like a child by behavioral psychologist uh, think about this subject. Cause I actually wouldn't be surprised if children who are not really capable of understanding the concept would be okay. I also think a big thing that made it, I think an an interesting choice in this movie is that even though Ben Affleck is the murderer, that he is a significantly better parent than Anna Darmus is. And that he actually seems legitimately to love their daughter, which I think is a a thing that complicates the character and makes it like, it's not that, you know, I don't feel tons of sympathy for Anna Darmus' character, but like she is in a lot of ways a bad mother to this girl. And I think that that is also probably part of why she's accepting because she, her sense of morality, because she's six, is like, well, daddy's good and nice to me and mom doesn't care about me. So if daddy killed mommy's boyfriend, then like that must be okay because daddy's good. You know, like I think that that Mm. could be the way that it's almost interpreted. And even before she has this conversation about, oh, how did you do it and all that stuff, she says to Ben Affleck, he's like, what's wrong with her like she's like knows that her mom is like weird and she's mm-hmm. she like looks down on her <laughs> yeah she can she can tell things yeah she's uh, like what's what's up with her <laughs> yeah so that is yeah it, it's a very interesting dynamic that they but formed then at the them. end of the movie this is where i was heading to so at the end of the movie anna Adams is like packing up her shit she's like crying she realizes that she's with a killer like legitimately mm-hmm. and she's getting the hell out of dodge and i'm like okay what Good, we're on the same page. Mm. But then the little girl takes the suitcase, throws it in the pool in mm-hmm. the deep end, and says, we're not going anywhere. And Anna, Anna mm. the Atomist is like, okay, we're not going anywhere. Which is, again, really bizarre, but they have let this girl do whatever she wants, like choose her school, and she seems to have a lot of independence and say in the family at six years old. And so Anna the Atomist was just like, okay, like I guess this is a sign. We're not going <laughs> I actually anywhere. didn't read it that way. I, I read it that... <laughs> It was a sign that her daughter wouldn't want to live, like, wouldn't accept being with her, and that, that like, either, that if if her daughter doesn't want to leave, then, like, is it, I think she kind of was like, if I can't, if my daughter won't love me if we leave, then it's worth trying to make it work, which I don't, uh, I wouldn't do, but I think that, that that was the way that I read it, is not that it's like, well, my daughter's smarter than me, it's that if this, if she is going to insist that we don't go, then... I what am I my hands are tied. I think also I also think cuz she subconsciously doesn't want to do anything. I think that she, yeah. she is kind of stuck and she th- the reason she acts out instead of divorcing him is because I think that she knows that She's like stuck. 
Yeah, that she's stuck, that she's... I think she's afraid that she... I think she's afraid that she is as stupid as he thinks she is. She is incapable as he thinks she is. Mm. And that... I think that that, that that is the dynamic that I actually kind of... I understand her not leaving actually pretty well because I think that she... And Armistice just actually plays that really well. Uh, that, like, insecurity and testing boundaries. But, um... Yeah. Also, I like, honestly, I did like that they let her choose her school. That is a nice thing to do. Um, <laughs> and also, if more rich kids were in public schools, public schools would be better. So, you know, I'm glad. I'm glad. There you go. Uh, so let's talk about the climax of this movie, because I think this is where I think Screws maybe all of us. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I think we all kind of feel. There were at least two sex scenes. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, we haven't talked about any of the sex scenes. Did you uh, want to yeah. like dive deep on that? No, 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 no. I just want to do a dumb joke. Uh, yeah, oh, no, it was oh, a great okay. joke. Great. Climax. Great. Hello. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I will say I legitimately was, and I'm. This is not a joke. I was honestly surprised that Ben Affleck didn't show any nudity, given that he did in Gone Girl. Same. Like if you're gonna show it, because right, like, it I wasn't know. like a like. I would say like this, the sex scenes that they did like go across, it, they weren't like as fully involved as you would see in some of those older erotic thrillers. Like mm-hmm. there, there were a lot of close ups and but not like an actual like full out act. And then they would just cut kind of early. It was way tamer than Adrian Lyons other movies. Right. Mm-hmm. Having yeah. watched all of them. <laughs> because Absolutely. I think it was kind of built. Well, most people were like kind of thinking, well, if it's Adrian Lyons movie, then we're going to get something similar to what we've seen before. So people were getting excited about seeing like Anna Darmus and Ben Affleck basically having <laughs> mm-hmm. sex. So mm-hmm. when we see it, like, sure, there's like a little bit of nudity, but like there's not really what we thought there was going to be, at least not yeah. most audiences. So, mm-hmm. and, and there is the wrinkle that we haven't talked about, which is that Ben Affleck and Under Armour dated for a bit after this. Which is this movie first came on my radar when it was announced, and then like when very during shooting there were the rumors. I think right after shooting, he went to Havana with her, and yes. that was like, oh, they're dating now, which is a huge deal for me. I'm a big, you know, I got, you always got to keep up on the celebrity couples. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I feel like I kind of can see. It, this movie just didn't have a lot of the crackle that you normally see in a movie that ends up with the two people uh, right. together. I think because the script didn't allow for it, but like, I think that that's kind of what the sex scenes. I just didn't get that. The thing that I think the the, the thing that's actually bad about the sex scenes is that functionally, I think in order for the relationship to make a lot more sense, you have to believe that they have like such physical chemistry that it's like, oh, this is what's keeping them together, and yeah. the fact that it doesn't feel like above and beyond it's like okay so if the sex is just normal movie sex then like what is what why are they still hanging out <laughs> right you have a point you do have yeah a point. I, I think that's a very good point to bring up uh and i think it's a mixture of the two things it's like okay so the sex is fine but it's that anna de armis i think that's the main thing is that maybe she doesn't feel so secure in herself that she can mm-hmm. leave or she gets off on the fact that Ben mm-hmm. Affleck shows his jealousy in a very weird, strange way, which yeah. is murder, you know, <laughs> like it, it's a crazy way of showing it. But talking about the third act, because this side is note, where I side think, note, side note, because Rico doesn't think that that was a real celebrity couple like it was fake. Ah. Yeah. Okay. I, so, I like, think it, I think it was real only because of the amount of time. Like Anna Armas would have had to spend get to Ben Affleck's house early in the morning way too many times. Like because she left his house. Like I'm serious. Like I'm always skeptical of that. I genuinely am. I think that the amount of times that she was like leaving his house to go to Dunkin' at like eight in the morning. Like that was like I. Yeah. 
Oh, so it was early pandemic. Like, early, yeah. I mean, yeah, people were coupling up. Yeah, people were coupling up at the time. You're right. And so, like, I've I've mentioned to Jessica, like, I had my doubts on the Holland Zendaya couple, but mm-hmm. as more time goes along, I'm being proved wrong on that one. So, uh, I've talked about it on the on my podcast before. The specific there's a couple things that made me believe it, but the photo where they're walking down the street together and she has her arm around his waist like a man normally would with a woman. Is like okay, they're definitely dating because there's no way that <laughs> PR people would let her do that if they weren't anyway. Or um, let his or his people let her do that's, that. No, that's like, what I mean. That her yeah, yeah, that yeah, his yeah. PR people would not be like, hey, we want to emphasize the fact that you were significantly bigger than him. Um, anyway, <laughs> shout out to them. Shout out to a short king and a tall queen. We love them. Yes, um, anyway. yes, we do. We do love them. Uh, the third act of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is where I think it loses its steam because yeah. we finally get the act of murder which is not a very interesting way because it's very messy and sloppy. We thought we were expecting more out of this guy. I think we all thought he would be a methodical character. And it was just like, I'm going to throw a rock at this guy's head. He threw a rock at his head. And I then, think, yeah, let me put him in the river and not even in the deep end. Like, it's no. shallow as shit. <laughs> yeah. I, and I think to compare to Unfaithful... <laughs> A movie where the murder in that one also is is very sloppy, but it makes sense because he's just a you know suburban dad. Yeah. The thing that's important about that movie is that the thing that causes Richard Gere to kill Olivia Martinez is that he sees that his wife has regifted a snow globe that he gave to her, right? And that yeah. that the transgression is not just the sex; it's that she's so intimate with you emotionally. The problem with this is that the catalyst for him murdering Tony in that specific moment is nothing. He just sees him. Like, Tony doesn't do anything to, like, and so you're kind of led to believe, like, okay, so Ben Affleck, if there's, if Tony didn't do anything in that moment, that means that when Ben Affleck left the house that morning, he knew he was going to kill Tony. But if he's going to, if he knew that, then why is he just killing him with a rock? You know what I mean? Like, the, the methodology of the crime is a crime of passion, but nothing about the scene beforehand suggests that Ben Affleck feels passionate about anything. You know what I mean? Like, it's, right. it's not like he... It's not like he sees Tony on the street and Tony says something that is like, you crossed the line, I'm going to kill you now. It's just, oh, Tony's there, I'm going to kill him. Right. It, well, maybe he killed a bunch of snails and was like, this is not enough to satisfy my my rage, so I'm going to go find the guy. <laughs> oh, my God. And like, actually <laughs> kill him. Well, but I will say this, though. in Earlier in the movie, when he kills... Um, what is the second character? Uh, he's the uh, I know, but it's Jacob Elordi is the actor. Jacob Elordi, yes. yeah. And when he kills, like, that one's a little more of passion because he's, like, watching them interact and she's flirting with him mm-hmm. in the pool and all this. So yeah. once everybody leaves the pool, it's just him and that guy, and he's full of rage. You see it on the face. Like, he's yes. full of rage, and he, he acts out that crime of passion. But mm-hmm. just like you said, Tony didn't really do something. That That's why it stood out. Because it's like the last murder we saw him do, we knew, we got it. We saw that he was pissed off. Why Why did he just, why did he have to take up Tony in broad daylight? Like, I, it's just, it, what was in that moment? Um, yeah, I, like, I think that that's kind of goes back to the central question of like, either he's a sociopath and the movie is really bad at showing it, or he has... A, a, like under this way, way, way under the surface passion, and the movie is also really bad at showing it. You know what I mean? Like because <laughs> so the two way. kills don't feel like they're made by the same person is the thing, right? It Not to like mention two- the one that happened off screen that he took credit oh, yeah. for. Mm-hmm. That got the guy that got shot like a bunch of times, and then he dumped mm-hmm. him on a mountain or a hill or something. 
Right. Mm-hmm. So we have him, you know, coming back to the scene of the crime, which you never do, of course. And mm-hmm. he's trying to, like, you know, get the body to stay down. And Tracy Letts character shows up, which I'm guessing Anna de Armas called him because mm-hmm. she yeah. was in cahoots with him. Yeah. Uh, because she or like, she was or he was following him maybe the entire time because I think that having him as a character is interesting and I think is f- really functional for the movie because it's like. In order for there to be some pressure on him, you need the nosy guy. And I think that Tracy Letts, as like a writer who's really wealthy for no reason, who thinks he's in a noir movie, is actually a pretty good character. So <laughs> that I didn't bother me that that much, even though it does make a lot of sense. Right. But I and then we get like this high speed chase, and I put that in quotes because it's really <laughs> like just like a, a whatever car whatever that car why did he is. have such a beater car like that didn't make sense he was sense driving a Subaru Subaru um, yes yeah. it was a, like a 1995 Subaru and then uh, chasing him is Ben Affleck on a mountain bike and then he like takes a shortcut it's to try to stop him the fact that he like got on the bike with intention to catch the car I was like what <laughs> you're gonna try and catch a car on a bike hey man when you're desperate you know, you do some things that don't make any sense. I, I do want to say I really laughed because I thought it was very good uh, acting at this moment was when Tracy lets catches Ben and scares him. And yeah. Ben doesn't know what to say because he's like he not prepared yeah. for someone yeah. to catch him. So he's like, oh, I was looking for the scarf. And like you can hear his voice crack and everything. Like mm-hmm. it is like the perfect way of getting caught. And I thought it was well done. It was one of mm-hmm. the few moments where we actually see a break in mm-hmm. the facade. I thought it was yeah. great. But they, they man, I just wish it would have <laughs> carried into something more than yeah, just. I, I, I almost I think that the moment that the I assume this is in the book. And so I can't, but like, it, it, uh, the, uh, away from the book, the moment that the decision was made that it's Tracy Letts who has to die in the scene as opposed to Ben Affleck, I think that they really kind of cornered themselves into a lot of uninteresting endings. Um, and like, I actually was thinking that the movie would be, I think that there were a lot more ways they could go if it was, what I thought was going to happen is that Ben Affleck was going to fall off over his bike and Tracy Letts was going to like run over him and like, you know, there some somehow, you know, they had to pick up the pieces and, like, they couldn't prove anything because there's no, you know, this, that, and the other. Um, but I think that, like, having your erotic thriller end on a guy because he dropped his cell phone swerving off a cliff is, like, a funny visual, but it's kind of, like, really, like, that's the big end to this. This thing of intrigue is just that Tracy Letts is a boomer who can't text and drive. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. It's not that interesting. And it it all happens because of, you know, happenstance. Ben Affleck Mm -hmm. falls in the middle of the trail and then Mm -hmm. Tracy, you know, out of instinct, just swerves off and falls off Mm -hmm. a cliff. We don't see the body die, really. I mean, we do see the, you know, crash, but we're Mm -hmm. led to assume that Tracy Letts dies. And then, you know, he just shows back at the house and Ana de Armas is like, I saw Tony and then walk up the stairs. And then, we and then see there's the bit where you see the uh, the the burning. stuff burning the wallet, yeah. Which yeah. I thought was once again that's why I thought it'd be interesting if it was like she's okay with it because it's like a sexual thing where it's like she's gonna help him, you know. I, that's a more interesting thing for me than just like the NBA. I think sometimes I think ambiguous endings 
can be overrated if they don't actually if they if they don't put their finger on what aspect of what's going on is ambiguous and like it feels like everything is left ambiguous in this instead of just like <laughs> it's not one question that's left ambiguous it's just like a million different questions is he gonna get caught what does she think about it uh what's gonna happen with tracy lets his wife like every single thing is left ambiguous and it's like <laughs> you didn't have an ambiguous ending you just stopped before the thing was over <laughs> oh another thing that i thought was gonna happen in this movie if we go back a little bit is tracy lets wife and, like, the little interaction she has with Ben, I thought oh, yeah. that was going to lead they into had to something. They should have had sex. That's just honestly one of my biggest I notes so. in the movie. <laughs> I honestly... They had great chemistry. Honestly. I, Kristen Connolly, great actress, happy to see her. I haven't seen her in a while. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. They had some chemistry, I, and they did nothing with it. Like, mm-hmm. I my, thought yeah. it would have been interesting if he decides to mm. have sex with her. And yeah. then we see Anna de Armas's reaction to that. Mm-hmm. Like... Mm-hmm. You know, she's all cool with, like, her parading around, yes. but what happens when the shoe's on the other foot? Mm-hmm. And how does Ben Affleck justify being mad at Anna Armas then? Because then, cause I think that ultimately it's a thing about control, and I think you could have a very interesting conversation of, like, you know, what the subtext of what he would say would be, like, because I'm the man, I can do whatever I want, and you're, you know, some retrograde thing. But we don't get that. Um, although, I would say, legitimately, my favorite scene in the movie is when he interrupts their dinner, because it feels so true to life. For this retired guy who's... Because the thing about retired people, too, is they truly make up the biggest problems just to fill their day. The amount of brain power my parents and neighbors have with specific problems with, like, the tennis instructors and, like, tennis teams. And they care about it so much. And so, clearly, Trace Woods is just bored. And I just love the way that Kristen Connolly plays, like, you idiot. You're so bored. You're getting a private invest. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, just get a hobby. Like, that's kind of the subtext of it all. And I thought that was really, really funny. And I think would have been really interesting if they play that as like that interaction in that chemistry leads to you know them having a tryst of some kind and then at the end instead of just ending with tracy that's falling off a cliff how does kristen Connolly feel about the man that she had sex with might have been responsible like i think there's just a bunch of different wrinkles that weren't explored like even though a lot of stuff in this movie happens it feels like way too simple in terms of the actual plot the actual things that happen are really pretty simple and not that interesting so here's a funny thing. Uh, something that I learned uh, just a couple of days ago is that this movie is an hour 50, I believe. Yeah. Apparently, when this movie was prepared to come out and mm. like it, there was like uh, in Europe and stuff like where they had like screenings ready to mm. be in theaters, the movie is 40 minutes longer. What? Mm. Yes. This movie got cut down. So there's stuff missing. So... Who knows if we have like a more That's where the missing sex went. <laughs> that's uh release the line cut. <laughs> <laughs> that's honestly that's, that makes me oh. mad because it's like you're putting it on Hulu. Like it's not I don't know. I th- I guess that Hulu's probably gonna do some this is actually a pretty relatively big movie for Hulu because Hulu is kinda has doesn't have as many event films as other streamers do but yeah come on i release the line cut um yeah if you're gonna release it on streaming just release the full thing Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. release it with the full vision like why are you making edits and cuts to cut it down to two hours like i can understand uh like movie theaters like you want as many people to go see the movie and buy tickets Mm -hmm. and whatever but like on a streamer who cares 
I would honestly bet a lot of money in that case that, that there is a sex scene or some type of romantic scene between Kristen Connolly and Ben Affleck. Definitely. Specifically because the scene at the school is completely unnecessary. Like, it, it you feel mm-hmm. they, have, they have legitimate chemistry and they're clearly setting something up. Um, and I think it's also interesting, too, that, like, while not the same get like, that the gap in age between Tracy Letts and Krista Connolly is kind of the same what's presented as Ben Affleck and Armas, just that moved up a little few years. And I think that that's also an interesting thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that there's so much more to do with that. Uh, and yeah, that, you just kind of blew my mind. I'm just thinking about all the different things that make a lot more sense now, knowing that so much of it was cut out. Because that's way too much to cut out of a movie. That is that way just too doesn't, much time. 40 a movie would ne- can't insane. be good if you edit 40 minutes out of it. It can't be. No, no way. Because the original intentions behind some of the plot mechanics or some of the story details don't make sense when you cut that much out. Because, like you said, that that example of them at the school, how is that interaction happening when the only other interaction they've had before that scene was the dancing scene? Because in order, they danced at the party she shows up at the school to meet him, and then we have that uh, confrontation in the backyard. It, it happens yeah. in that order. So there's something missing for mm-hmm. her to feel confident to go to him. There's something missing there, because if not, mm-hmm. we would have definitely like seen how she felt so comfortable seeking out after him, searching for him. So yeah, there's... There's stuff missing, so that. But then they left stuff in, like him just like going on long bike rides, like all over, (laughs) and they left in him going to his studio space where he like solo publishes like random photography (laughs) and shit. So yeah, like that was left in, but then like other sort of building Mm -hmm. plot elements were like maybe taken out. So it's yeah, it's hard. Weird. Yeah, it's so weird that they they left certain things in that didn't really like push the story forward, but they took out the stuff mm-hmm. that I think may have made a difference in how we view mm-hmm. the plot. It's so weird. Yeah. Very weird movie. Maybe there was more snail action. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if that's if they had like a big plot, like a the- thematic summation with the snails. Yeah. 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 Because the snails just being so like prevalent. D- mm-hmm. There has to be a reason that they're And so it's prevalent. memorable. Like, they put such a memorable animal in there for him mm-hmm. to Right, be, and um, the way he, like, for? holds them some, uh, at a certain point, yeah. like, the way he holds them on his fingers and they're, like, interacting with one another, it's just, like, visually, like, the things are there, but the reasoning why is just not. And, and I think that there's, like, I, I think that the visual part, you're right, I think that they're very gross, but I think they are such a visually striking animal when they're shot in like a very close up view. Like it just, and I think that you can have, like I almost think that you could have like, this is so terrible and I really don't wish this happened. But if you if you told me there were snails in this movie and Adrian and I was directing it, I honestly would have expected that there would be a scene where you see a sex scene and they cut back and forth between snails having sex and the characters <laughs> having sex. And honestly, in the 40 minutes that's not there, I honestly could see that being there. Because that feels like, if you, you know what I mean? Like that just feels like his move. And I and I would be like, in the moment, I'd be like, oh, I don't like this. But in hindsight, I'd be like, you know what? Nice, th- Good for shooting your shot, Adrian. That's an interesting <laughs> thing you just did there. Uh, 81-year-old Adrian Lyne, I believe. 81. God, just the, still cranking out movies. Still cranking I'm out I'm so movies. glad he was able... I'm glad he was able to make another movie. Because yeah. it would have really sucked. It would have sucked if he didn't get another chance to, you know, show us his uh, perverted ways. Although, mm-hmm. it wasn't as, you know, crazy perverted as I would have thought it would have been. Uh, so... No, look. <laughs> I know that makes it sound weird, like I wanted more. No. But... <laughs> but I, 
I, I an interesting thing that I saw when I was doing some reading on Adrian Line is that a thing people point out is that in his erotic thrillers, they all end for the most part with with nine and a half weeks. It ends with the main character being single, but like getting out of the toxic relationship. But the other ones, they end with the nuclear family staying intact or like that like fatal attraction ends with them being fine uh indecent proposal ends with them getting back together unfaithful ends with that you know i mean like i think that it is kind of it is weird how he has very perverted like takes and just very interested in showing sex but he really doesn't have he has a pretty more moralistic view which i think makes him interesting because i think if you have a if you're a filmmaker who just is really interested in showing sex and has no moral point of view of how sex works and like that's just not interesting plot wise <laughs> like i actually like that he seems to care about this stuff um but yeah i think that that was an interesting thing i never thought about it's like well, yeah these movies are kind of perver- perverted in ways but the happy they mostly have happy happy or somewhat happy endings where it's like thank god we preserved the nuclear family you know <laughs> right yeah, we didn't lose out on the marriage. We we made mm. it work somehow. I would have liked mm. to have seen how they met. Mm. Because, mm. like, how the hell did these two get together? Like, it almost seems like he was, thing. like, one of those, like, weird boyfriends that she had. And then she just, like, got pregnant and they got married. Yeah. Yeah, because she does mention she she didn't want kids before. Mm-hmm. So I, it could have been I, an accident. What I believe... The reason I don't think it's an accident is because in the photo album, there's a photo where she says she's three months pregnant three and they're months, already and like doing early, photos and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so like, I think that they would have been like, it would have been awkward and she wouldn't be posing for photos with him in like a meadow. Um, but I think what <laughs> happened was based on what Tony says about her being in college, I think that she probably was with a bunch of like normal boring guys in college and being in America didn't really, you know, it was kind of just having, being with pretty guys and Ben Affleck <laughs> being new to town or whatever met her and you know, was handsome, but had money and was interesting and more than just being a pretty looking guy. And I think that she was kind of fell in love with that idea rather than him. And then by the time she kind of realized that like, oh wait, this guy has problems. It just was that all the other schmoes I were with were 22 and had nothing. Um, that I think that that's kind of what, because I mean, that's a pretty common thing to happen with young people. Oh yeah. Is that the first people they meet with money and things, it's like, you're interesting. It's like, nope, you're not interesting. You just have money. Um, exactly. So I think that's probably Yeah. Oh, I saw that in college so often. You know what was sure. interesting? Why did Ben Affleck like intentionally burn his little fingers on the cookie baking sheet? Mm, I thought I th- that was like to scrub some sort of evidence and it was not. I think he was just trying to at least. Sh- You're telling interact. me that was just an accidental. No, not really accidental. No. I think it was more on purpose, like to get the attention of the people who were in the party yeah. to see that he That's was there, oh, that he was there. I see. Yeah. So I see. and they could remember. Oh, he burnt his fingers on the cookie thing. I see. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it's more a little more thought out. I think. Like mm. speaking of which, I do just want to say that the injuries that he would have to inflict the bruises that he had to inflict on Jacob Elordi in order to drown him would not be consistent with CPR. Like that actually is, I just don't believe that the cops would not be able to determine that there was foul play involved. Cause he's clearly, if you're a grown man trying to hold another grown man underwater, you're going to have to grab them hard enough where you severely bruise them. And I, that just kind of was like, really, he's going to get away with that without any real follow up. Um, which is why he should, I, I, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think what he probably should have done, not to give killers advice, is like hit his head against the side of the pool so then he could be like, oh, he's tripped and that's how, because that's how people actually die in pools is they, you know, hit their heads or whatever. But anyway, that was kind of just like really, I, I was expecting him to do something clever to worm out of it, but he doesn't. He just happens to get away with it. Right. And then like we, oh, here's another thing that we don't <laughs> ever really get. It's that we don't really ever get any follow up with the police. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The police just like, we get the interaction. I thought they were going to be heavily involved in the second half of the movie. Mm-hmm. No, they're gone. We don't see them ever again. I thought they would be like hot on his heels, searching for him. Not like the private investigator, but an actual cop, no. like you know, doing some actual investigating. Mm-hmm. No, we don't even get that. It's so, man, so many strange choices. Maybe it's in that extended cut. Release the line cut. Mm-hmm. Let's go. And, and, and I'd be willing to believe, like, oh, this guy's super rich. He does a lot of. Big, he, he has. He is a big patron of the things in the town. So they give him a pass. But once again, that's not in there. I think that so many of the things that I think can make this movie better are all just in my head. They're not actually in the text because yeah. the text is so simple, honestly. Yeah, it's um, very simple. Uh, yeah. Uh, man, I, I really wish this movie was more interesting because man. like even if it was bad, right, which we all mm-hmm. agree that it's pretty bad. If it, mm-hmm. there was like entertaining stuff throughout, I can totally like be on board to like just have fun with the movie. Like, the way Serenity was. Like, that movie is just bonkers. Yeah. It is um, stupid, <laughs> but, like, they're they're going for something in that movie, and it is – it's a train wreck. But this is more, like, unsatisfying. That's what it is. It's just unsatisfying. Mm-hmm. Maybe as unsatisfying as the love life between the two characters yeah. in the movie. <laughs> it, it almost feels – it also feels like Adrian Lyne's not really exploring anything new in it. Because this no. movie is very similar to Unfaithful. The only di- – like the diff- big difference is just the element of Ben Affleck seeming to be okay with the cheating. But once again, that is I think the least explored aspect of the movie. We really don't know why he does that. And so like I, I, I kind of wish that it would feel like it, it after almost 20 years of not making a movie, I wish that Adrian Lyne had like a new thing he wanted to explore – um, but you know, as filmmakers in their eighties often are, I'm not saying this to cast aspersions. He, I just don't think he has any new insights about, uh, you know, the ma- marriages and, um, and you know, it, it's, uh, you know, not everyone can be Ridley Scott. We, not everyone can make good movies into their eighties. You know? <laughs> no, you're right. Not everyone can. So, uh, any, any final thoughts? I. Uh, <sighs> No, I'm I'm glad that I was able to talk about this movie because I literally have been n- hearing about this movie since late 2019. Um, <laughs> so I'm glad it's here. It uh, and uh, I'm I don't actually feel that good about having to watch the rest of Adrian Lyne's catalog because I honestly didn't really like it a bunch. <laughs> I think that his my my two favorite. I mean, I like Jacob's Ladder, which I never seen. My two favorite movies from Fatal Attraction, I think, is just his one masterpiece, and Jacob's Ladder is very good. And then on, I probably go Fatal Attraction, Jacob's Ladder, Unfaithful, uh, Big Drop Off, Deep Water. <laughs> Big drop off, nine and a half weeks. Gigantic drop off. Uh, sorry, no, indecent proposal in between Deep Water and nine and a half weeks. Yeah, yeah. And then Flashdance, I think, is just utterly just. I don't. The eighties no. were not a good decade. No. I don't know how that movie was a movie that people saw. It's there's nothing going it's on. In it. It's horrible. Yeah. It's awful. I, I am a believer that most eighties movies are just awful movies. Like mm-hmm. I think that was a bad period in cinema. Like obviously, the amount of time that, the amount of time that audiences found it acceptable to do nothing except watch someone dance poorly is really crazy. Yeah, it, it's insane. Like what they got away with in a lot of eighties movies. Like obviously, not like Indiana Jones, Back to the Future. Not no, those, but, but we like, don't. The in the middle of the crop, like we're talking about a lot of bad stuff. A mid tier nineties movie is way better than a mid tier eighties movie. I found. Oh, for you got a point sure. there. For sure. And so, yeah, well, I think that wraps up our conversation on Deep Water, (laughs) the new film with Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas. 
Uh, I want to thank Jay Christie for joining us on this episode. It was a lot My of fun. Absolute pleasure. Oh. I thank you. For like, because if, if I didn't get to do this, I would have made my MCU guys do a Patreon episode about it, and I did, wouldn't want to do that today. I, Anthony <laughs> Canton the third, the sweet man, would not be able to talk about this movie, um, and so I'm glad I was able to do it here. Of course, anytime. Believe me, we enjoy having you here. Where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Jake Christie. The podcast is Marvel Cinematic University. It's a very very uh, chill and like it's. We try to do, make the podcast f- about Marvel movies for people who hate conversations about nerdy stuff on the internet um we're big nerds but we also like uh, we try to gatekeep as little as possible we talk about fun stuff we're doing our march madness bracket now um you know it just really just a great time and i love those guys and uh yeah check it out if you're interested in that stuff and you hate the conversation about nerdy stuff on the internet check it out (laughs) yeah definitely check it out that bracket i was very disappointed that kate bishop got eliminated uh by Uh, i wasn't uh (laughs) Well, because thing is that I don't know if you saw, but the original poll of it got yeah. attacked by bots. Yeah, I saw and that. And so after that happened, I was rooting against Kate Bishop because it's like, I don't want the person who did that to have the satisfaction of having the win. <laughs> having the win. So uh, yeah. who, do, who do you think wins that? I think it's Yelena. I feel bad. I feel bad. Either Yelena or Rocket Raccoon. And I don't want it to be Rocket Raccoon because he was on the borderline of... Because it's side characters. And I said that basically whoever's not the main character of the movie. And a lot of people are like, Rocket's one of the Guardians. The movie's called Guardians of the Galaxy. And it's like, the movies are about Peter Quill. Shut up. Like, eh, you know, anyway. <laughs> exactly. um, but I don't want to have to deal with that. So I'm rooting against him a lot. Because I know people will be like, of course a main character won it. And it's like, okay, whatever. Okay. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I want Yelena to win now. Um, because I think that that in terms of uh, a character just fucking stealing an entire movie. I mean, that movie's not good, and she blows everyone off the screen for f- the 40 minutes she's on screen. So, Oh, for sure. Anyway. For sure. Uh, we are big Florence Pugh fans over here on, yes. on oh the podcast. So, I mean, I, I, okay, how big? Have you watched her, the Snapchats of her, I mean, Instagram of her making marmalade? Of course. Okay, so see, now I feel at home, because I yes. bring that up on the Marvel podcast, and they're like, Jake, you know, loves her so much. It's like, you understand. Her making marmalade is better than most things that are on TV. She's I mean, a wonderful cook. She's a wonderful cook. Oh, my God. Yes. And I've seen her make a ratatouille. She's delightful. Yeah. <laughs> she is. And, like, just yeah. following her in her escapades and cooking is great. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, uh, I remember I saw her for the first time in Outlaw King before, like, mm-hmm. any talk about her. And I was like, oh, who is this? And then I saw her in Fighting With My Family, which mm-hmm. barely anyone saw. But I thought, oh, shit, this person's a star. It. This person's an actual yeah. star because they're taking this just run-of-the-mill sports movie and actually making the character mm-hmm. interesting. So, Yeah, that's the thing is you can tell movie stardom is not based on how good someone does on a great movie. It's how they can take like a mid-tier movie. It's like why Denzel's the greatest movie star of all time is because like he makes you know any B-level thriller watchable. But anyway. <laughs> there you go. Fair. So, all right, so I want to thank uh, Jake Christie one more time for joining us on this episode. If you are listening for the first time, go ahead and uh, check us out and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you like us, go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Spotify. <laughs> Spotify. <laughs> give us five-star reviews. You can see what we're up to on social media. Let us know if you thought Deep Water was any good. Did you like any of it? You can let us know on social media, at Always Critic Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And finally, if you are a fan, please consider becoming a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and show your support. You can check us out 
on our page at patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. That has been our episode. I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this has been the Always a Critic Podcast.